Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Friends, welcome to the In Awe Podcast and our very first episode and series of 2021. Though we continue to weather much adversity on the other side of 2020 here in the United States, I am hopeful these interviews this month will bring you hope and inspiration to live now with resilience to form your own overcomer story. Our guiding quote for the series is, of course, from my shiro, Dr. Maya Angelou. You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. May we hear these stories of women who have chosen not to be reduced, starting with our first guest. Melissa Mann is a special education teacher with the Madison County School System. She has taught in both self-contained and collaborative environments in grades kindergarten through sixth grade. Melissa is duly certified in elementary education and special education. She also holds a master's in school counseling and is certified as a school counselor. Melissa has presented for the past 10 years at Alabama State Technology Conference and at various local conferences. Melissa is also a trainer for Simple K-12, and she enjoys writing devotional blogs. In this episode, we discuss Melissa's passion for aiding students to overcome the labels that can get placed upon them in our school systems, her personal journey in learning what becoming an overcomer means through the lens of significant challenges in her own life. She shares how her evolving faith has rooted her through an early loss of a sibling, a traumatic collision, and a recent cancer diagnosis. And we hear more about her inspirational story to take off survivor to overcomer as a label in her own life. It can be challenging to fit a person's life story in a short podcast interview, but I think we came close to it here, my friends. Melissa and I became connected within the past few years through social media, and I am grateful that she came alongside me on my launch team for Lead with Faith. And I deeply enjoyed hearing more about her incredible story of resilience through the interview today. It is with deep gratitude for her willingness to share that I bring you Melissa Mann's Overcomer Story. Welcome, Melissa Mann, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you and to have you kicking off not only this series, but 2021. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's such a gift. So, Melissa, could you do me a favor? I read your bio, but it's always great when listeners can hear a little bit about your current context and what's going on in your life right now. So you need to share a little bit with the listeners. I am a special education teacher. Um, This year, I'm at Riverton Intermediate School in the Madison County School System. So that's North Alabama. Um, We could talk little towns, but it's easier to tell people Huntsville. Alabama area because everybody's familiar with the Space and Rocket Center and that kind of in the context. Um, And so this has been a hybrid remote face to face where, you know, different kind of modes this year. We started off um, virtually teaching. Well, we ended the year, you know, everybody was virtual. The whole country was. And then we started off this year. We were virtual. Then we went face to face or then we went hybrid for a week. Then we went face to face. But we were also doing virtual at the same time because parents had options. And then we went hybrid and then we ended the semester with remote and we start back um, in 2021 with remote or no, with hybrid. So it's kind of a mixture of both. Um, so I get the ba- the juggling that, you know, teachers as a whole, we've had to work through this year and stuff. I tell, um, you know, I feel sorry for the teachers that this is their first couple of years because they don't have the context to know that this is not normal. 
this is not teaching. You know, we've all had to reinvent the, I almost want to say reinvent the wheel, but not reinvent the wheel. And those of us, even those who consider ourselves techie, virtual teaching is rough and it's not the same connection that we used to have. It's hard to get to know a student on a screen. It's hard to get to that relationship because you think about it, that's what we build the first few weeks of school with. You know, it's that relationships. And, you know, a lot of this teaching in 2020 has taken that away. Um, You know, we're having to find new ways to do it. And so, but that's why teachers are so good at what we do. You know, that's why we do what we do because we're going to keep going until we figure out how to do that. Um, And so I love just getting to see students succeed in their potential. That's one thing. Um, And then making sure students see that they're more than just a grade. That's one thing I feel like when that intermediate school age, they get real concerned about grades, but then they start to define themselves as grades. And when students come with a learning, you know, with a difficulty, maybe exceptionality of some sorts, you don't want them to get that to let that be their defining to be that label and stuff so helping them to see the things they can do well and just do learning to do the best they can but it's also one thing I'm that teacher who I learned early on to keep the expectations higher because they'll rise to meet it if you keep the expectations lower and say oh well they have some you know an exceptionality they just can't do it They'll never believe that they can do it. You've got to believe that they can do it, and then they'll learn to do what they can of it. That's so good. And you just uh, you basically covered a, a lot of really good ground there in just referencing all of the challenge that it has been to continue to serve with that passion in the context of COVID-19 for educators. And I appreciate your, I'm sure we'll touch upon more on that as we come here into the series. And I wanted to share with the listeners, uh, you know, we have Melissa, we have you featured here on the Overcomer series for very specific reasons. And it was very intentional. So Melissa has a blog that of course we will link. And in it, she says, when 2020 ends, will you be able to just say you survived it or that you overcame what was thrown at you? Once you walk through some things, the label survivor gets given to you, but God's been stirring up my heart, a desire to rewrite the label to overcomer. And I wanted the listeners to hear because we have you featured here. We have you kicking off the series. I have you kicking off 2021. And I just know that there is such a deep mission in your message. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear about that. And I thought it was so profound. What you said is that, um, you know, of course, it's layered and deeper with your message. But I think that it has a universal application for all of us coming through this very challenging year of 2020. Now into 2021, we want to be overcomers. So can we just peel apart your story a little bit? There's so much to you and so many different things that you overcome, but what does overcomer mean for you? And looking back, you know how sometimes God will give you a piece at one point and you don't necessarily understand why you wrote it in the time, but now, you know, looking back on that October post, there was a story um, that I had read many years in about Punchinello and it's a Max Lucado You Are Special book but one thing was in that story and I could see this picture when I was thinking about the labels Punchinello um they would everybody would give him stickers it would give him they would give him dots and different things um you know because he wasn't special but then he would go see the creator you know the woodworker and the stickers and he would take the stickers off and the stickers would fall off and I think that's something um and I'll get into the story in a second but I think that's something as teachers right now just to kind of frame this up that you know there's a lot of labels that have been put on us you know, especially from social media and things like that and people that don't technically understand what we do as educators. And we've got to be 
cautious not to let those labels stick. Because here's the thing, if you do, I mean, if you can accept them, you can take the labels that people have given you and you can let them stick. But if you go and you know, for me, that's going and spending time with God and letting him to tell me what the labels are. And that's where the overcomer and survivor came in. Um, I thought back to the story in where the disciples were headed out on a boat and they were on the water and the storm started happening. Well, most of the disciples got afraid. They were scared. Peter got out of the boat and he learned how to walk on water, you know, because he kept his eyes on Jesus. Well, and then I started thinking about headed to the end of that storm. You know, they made it to the other side. All of them did. The disciples, the Peter, they made it to the other side. The disciples survived the storm. But were they changed? Did they let what happened to them make them better, you know, for the storm going through it? Um, Peter learned what he could do. He learned a level of faith. He learned, you know, that there was more room for faith in him than fear and that kind of thing. And he ended up on the storm, another overcoming something as he went through the storm. And I think that's something to we have also got to keep um, in focus. And I learned that looking on, you know, so many times people tell you when you go through something to get over it. Oh, you'll just get over that soon. No, you don't ever get over it. You get through it. And I learned that, um, you know, losing my little sister, let's see, 22 years ago. I didn't realize it then. Looking back now, I can start, to, you know, start to see. But you, you don't ever get over things like that. Those are pieces that, you know, leave holes, but you learn how to get through them. And that's a thing that I think we've got. That's where the, sometimes I feel like the overcomer and survivor different come in because you don't want to just get to the end of this and go, okay, well, I survived it. I made it through. No, what did you learn from it? Yes, 2020 has been a rough year. But what do, we, what do we have that we can take forward into 2021 and continue to, you know, walk forward in what we've, what we're doing? That's so beautiful. If I could just uh, share just a moment, I was involved earlier today in a um, session and one of my co-presenters was sharing how she had seen something about the fact that we, coming through 2020 as educators, we have collectively basically overcome the challenges that will be written about forever in our profession, you know, in our nation, in the world, 2020 will always be a historical time. And just to kind of sit in the presence and mindfulness of that, which I just feel like your message is really beautifully kind of weaving in my mind right now as I listen to it and think, man, you know, like we're not as educators, we're living through it and we're kind of, as you said, surviving basically some of the stuff, but maybe now it's time to turn that page and see, okay, what have we overcome and how can we empower ourselves as you to continue to go through that and to kind of rise up out of it with these lessons and this wisdom? Is that summarizing what you were saying? Yes. And I think about it's that, you know, that difference of the mess to the message, the test to the testimony. And I think that's where we're kind of at. You know, we can settle in the mess and we'll never, but if we settle in the mess, we'll never get to see the message coming through it. Had I let when my sister passed away, like define me and let that just be, oh my goodness, well, I've lost this, that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong. My heart goes out to any, you know, all the loss that's happened this year holidays are rough regardless of how much time passes. I mean, that's anniversary days are rest. There are things that get that are always going to be those moments, but you learn how to smile through them. At some point, even if you're crying at the same time, those that's where that overcoming piece comes in. And I think one thing we've got to, 
just before we go any further, everybody's on a different journey and a different time thing. And that's one thing I guess I should go ahead and like back up to um, the start of this year, right at the beginning in March, I um, received some med- a medical diagnosis of breast cancer. And one thing my oncologist told me with that is he said, you'll have a bunch of people telling you what to do and how to do and things like that. He said, but your journey is your journey. And I think that's something as educators, yes, there's a common things we can all find in it. But if you're next door to that teacher who is just one of those like, I don't believe, why are we even having to be here? And, and you find the joy that you have in what you do and look and see, oh, look, I was able to get through to this student, even regardless of remote teaching and things like that. I am I'm a special ed teacher. And that's one thing, you know, I've tried to get into general ed classrooms. I've tried to be different things and that kind of stuff. And God keeps on opening the special ed door and keeping that in. And I think back to my sister a lot of times. She had some medical problems before she passed away. And I think that that was kind of just laying the groundwork because I always tell the parents, you know, I treat y'all like I would have wanted my parents treated. You know, had my sister can, you know, live, she would have been in the program and things like that. Because um, she had some difficulties. And I treat them like that. I look at the kids, you know, it's that building that relationship. It's helping that kid to see that they can succeed. And, you know, I've always tell them too. And we were reminded a couple of weeks ago, even um, I saw a kid, a parent I hadn't seen in a few years. And I'm like, look, once you're one of mine, you're one of mine. But I think. And I spent the first, this is my 15th year, I spent the first 14 years of my career, like, giving it all. I mean, I was that, I'm single, so I don't have a, you know, didn't have the kids to go home to, you know, husband, that kind of thing. And so I lived at school, entering, you know, medical stuff, and all of a sudden, I'm like going, okay, all right, this is a job. This is not, you know, who I am. This is what I do. And it immediately gets separated. Um, You know, and I think that's one thing we've got to find balance in with educators. And it's so hard to do once you've, you know, gotten to a certain part in your career. It's hard to go backwards as you want to say or not or to tell some things no and to divide them out and stuff. But I didn't have a choice. It's kind of like it was made for me, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, God kind of gives us little nudges. You know, sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. And I don't think he gives, he's, he's not a giver of things that are sickness and things like that. He doesn't do that. That's not who he is. But I think he can take what's been thrown at us and work it for our good if we release it and let him. Okay, I got to step back a second because you are just sharing so much good (laughs) that I want to make sure we don't lose um, as we blow into these conversations because... You know, we, we started talking about this overcoming piece and you mentioned that your sister had passed a young age. I know you said, I think it was 22 years ago, but you were a teenager. Um, and so can we just step back there for a moment? And then I want to get back into two more layers that I heard you talk about. I can imagine because as a person, you know, an individual who's had enough loss in my life to to be able to empathize and also seeing, you know, kids losing kids at that age, the impact um, developmentally that that must've been for you. And you and I chatted a little bit, and I guess I wanted, if you'd indulge me for the listeners to hear this, because I think when we experience really hard things um, to overcome them, to get through them, we have different strategies. And at that time, I think you said that you, you, you were a stuffer. (laughs) Do you want to share that a little bit? Yes. I was, (laughs) I was the stuffer at that point. Um, and 
think I was at a small Christian school when all of this took place and stuff. So I had um, people I'd grown up with there. So I had that layer of support. But this was the first loss that I had ever had. I mean, I still had all my grandparents at that point. I'd lost a great grandmother at that point. But I didn't have any, like I didn't, there wasn't a playbook. You know, nobody had given you, you know, this was 1998. You know, there wasn't a lot of um, social media out there and ways to reach out and, you know, the different connections and things. So I stuffed it. I mean, that was, I went back to school and I just, I didn't talk about how I was feeling. I just, you know, kept it with how I would, you know, I just went on. I didn't pretend like it didn't happen because I knew it happened, but I tried not to deal with it. That's kind of how, you know, Stefan, I just kind of kept letting it just, if it would rise up, I'd just push it down further. Um, and that's something that I think we do. I think that's a coping strategy that a lot of times we handle with things. And, you know, I had a friend after... I was in a bus wreck um, 10 years ago and a friend about a few years after that, she messaged me and she said, cause I was blaming stuff on that situation. And she messaged me. She's like, you've got stuff from your sister. You've got things that you've not dealt with. Um, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, you know, I was like, you didn't understand. Like, I don't think sometimes we understood like in that season, I didn't understand the underlying of stuff, you know, I knew I went to church and knew all that kind of stuff. And I had a relationship with God, but I didn't get the deep stuff, if that makes sense. And so I was kind of, and she's like, you got to pull it up by the roots. And that's a thing I think, you know, just to kind of interject right now, so many times we, we go and we like leave something at the altar. We like give it to God, but we wonder why we're dealing with it later, you know, a couple months later, because we're just picking the blooms. We've got to dig up things by the root. And when we do that, then we can start to refill them with something new and start the healing process to happen with it. Um, But I have found in my career that being able to go back and understanding that loss has helped when that kid has come to you and they've lost a sibling. You know, it's helped when the families, you know, when that coworker loses somebody close and it's different to lose like a grandparent or to lose somebody that's in your everyday life that's where I kind of you know but I always haven't gone through it it's not that I know exactly how they're feeling but I can empathize enough to know hey take your time and that's one thing that was a big thing that I've tried to share with others as they've gone through that journey is in your time is your time you're not going to get over it you're not going to get through it quicker than you're supposed to. You don't rush things. I mean, I think sometimes we've got to process our emotions. And when we stuff them, we have a whole lot. We have a big baggage. I'll imagine it as packing a suitcase. You know, I didn't. Yeah, I stuffed them, but I would just put it in the back. And, you know, and I had to eventually open that bag up and deal with what was inside the back and go through some of those emotions and things like that. Um, but I look back now and I can see how God worked good from that story, um, how he brought different things in and how he's allowed different things to happen with that. But it's 22 years. You know, sometimes I think we go into somebody loses somebody and it's like, oh, I want to see. I know good's going to come. Yeah, it, but it's going to take time. And that's one thing that I think in a, this year as a whole, just to kind of go back to it, is good will come from the tragedies and the hurts that have come this year because you know he does Romans 8 28 is still a promise but it's gonna take time it's not like something you can just go snap your fingers and oh there's the good we just got to keep trusting knowing that he's working all things for our good yeah it's that patience is really hard (laughs) 
the patience and the trusting and letting go. So that's, but when you've lost a sibling, that's what I think made it even harder to get the diagnosis I got in March, because then you're dealing with, um, you're, you know, having to go like, okay, the fear kind of gets there with you on it. And you have to be like, I had to be careful that fear didn't overtake faith, that I had to make room for enough to have the faith in there to overcome the fear that was going to come because we're, you were humans. I mean, that soulish part of us, that emotional part is going to feel fear. It's going to feel like what is going on? Um, but faith has to rise up in that aspect of it. And I think that's just, it's how we cope and how we deal with things. Um, I heard Bonnie St. John talk about an attitude first aid kit one time about, you know, things to happen when we need our attitude adjusted. Sometimes I think, though, I've started, you know, just kind of getting ready for this. Sometimes you get a fight kit after a while. Like when you've gone through enough things, you get your fight kit. You know the songs you need to have, that playlist you need to have ready, the script, you know, the book maybe that you need, the coloring thing the friends that you need to reach out to you know what the you know your fight kit and how you kind of you go through that and stuff and I can look back on that now though because I was the stuffer with my sister when the wreck happened in 2010 I was the in denial because it happened in a part of my world but not in my whole you know not in my everyday thing it was in place I just visited so I didn't have to deal with it if I wasn't you know, around that group of friends. But looking back, I can see how I learned how to fight by watching my friends that I was in the wreck with, you know, so looking back on this journey that I was handed now, you know, that was thrown at, I knew how to fight. I knew how to, you got to stand on the promises. You got to keep your praise music going. You got to remember that there's no room for doubt. You know, God, take him at his word and God is who he says he is and will do what he said he will do. But there's no room for doubt and words are important. I think that's such a big thing sometimes is that we agree with things that God never meant for us to agree with. You know, and sometimes we'll say things and we get those words out there and it's, you know, it's scriptural words are the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I think that's something even just to carry over into the classroom that we've got to just as an application of the words that we speak about students and stuff. They're powerful. You know, they are they are seeds that are being planted and we may not ever see the heart you know not see when they're harvested and stuff but words stick words are powerful and I think in a season that we've all lived through this year you know wherever your season fell the words you spoke if you look back at it and stuff you can see did they bring life or did they bring heartache yeah I I think that's so true and and you have, again, just shared a lot of different wonderful layers. And I think as you and I kind of spoke and, and to put some summary to this that you said, it was your stuffing season um, that that kind of led you to be able to really fight. And, and as you said, I like how you said you have a fight kit. Um, but, you know, in reality, this is a so it's a series on overcoming. And, you know, we're not ever done with our challenges. I think that that was the one other thing that I wanted to make sure and, and thinking about, um, you know, when we have layered traumas, when things happen to us and, you know, we, whether we stuff it or we face it, uh, we, those things come back to us 
you know, even just in the conversation with you, right? Like you've read both of my books, you know, that I've lost a sibling, very different context, but it all just kind of comes back to us. And I think that, uh, you know, if we're able to reframe the lesson from those challenges that we've been given, that's the beauty, right? So like that's, and, and that's where you're here today using this story of overcoming. And, and it's not just about <laughs> the, the diagnosis you were given. Um, you know, it's about your history too and, and about serving. And I love that piece that your life kind of ties through to serve students, to help them become overcomers. Although we hadn't talked about that piece, I can just feel that presence here too and everything that you're saying. So I just think it's really beautiful. I want to make sure that listeners here, because I found this to be totally fascinating when you were sharing with me some backstory on your um, diagnosis. Would you peel that apart a little bit? I mean, this is something that's fairly fresh in your life. It's less than a year. And I think there's something pretty fantastic in just the timing too. Um, Would you share a little bit about that journey? So um, it was first part of March. And, you know, when I, when the doctor originally said, Hey, let's just go get a baseline mammogram just to make sure that that's what I think it is. I was like, okay, well, you know how teachers do. My first thought was, um, can we schedule it during spring break? Because that's (laughs) what we do. Right. I mean, we scheduled doctor's appointments during spring break and she's like, I don't want to wait that long. Okay. So we got it scheduled first part of March. Looking back now, I'm thinking, good thing I didn't, she didn't, you know, listen to me because, well, but so got it scheduled first part of March. Um, They went, we went from mammogram to ultrasound to biopsy all within one day. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on? Mind y'all, this is my first mammogram. So I didn't have any context for what to do. Um, they're like, um, we need you to come back tomorrow and stuff. And they're asking all these questions. And I'm like, okay, still thinking God's got this, you know, he can do still like, kind of leaning on that. And I'm like, oh, it's just going to be this. Still not, you know, thinking the worst. We get in there for the thing and they're like, well, it's, you know, they said the C word and I'm looking at them going, huh, what? Like it kind of just smacks you in the face at that point, because that's not exactly what I was expecting. We're first part of March at this point, March 4th, I believe. So I was like, okay, I kind of, you know, pushed my way through. I called a nurse friend um, who was also one of my small group leaders at church and was like, I knew she could at least talk the medical side and ask the questions that I was not thinking through at that point. Um, Ended up going to church that night and, you know, because I was like, I got that's where I need to be. I just knew that that was the thing. The sermon was on um, going through trials and stuff. So I was like, you know, okay. Sermon was for me in admission to all that and stuff. Um, Context of this, again, we're talking March 4th. So we go fast pace of appointments and tests and, you know, making surgeon appointments. And I got into who all I like. The oncologist that everybody said, oh, you won't be able to get into him. He doesn't have have an opening, had a cancellation. The plastic surgeon Mm. had a cancellation. It's like it all fell into place. So two weeks from diagnosis to I was having surgery. Mind you, this is that week of, so the last, my last day at school, I handed in, you know, thought I'm going to go on Family Medical Leave Act, finish out the year because I didn't think physically I could, you know, recover and do self-contained special ed. Well, that was March 13th. And as educators, we all know what March 13th means. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the day, you know, that I didn't know when I left that day that I was leaving, that we were all leaving that day. You know, no context of that. Um, My surgeon's office got wind that elective surgeries were about to be 
you know, reduced down, like done away with or that kind of thing. Um, Canceled for right now. Never would have thought that my surgery was an elective, but apparently in medical world it was. So they got it moved up to that Wednesday of that week. It was supposed to have been on Friday. So I was home by like noon of Thursday and then elective surgeries were canceled at five o'clock that later day. This is right at the start of COVID, like the shutdown of everything. So schools were shut down for like three weeks. Well, that was the time I needed really to heal pretty well. So when we got ready to talk about going back, I was like, well, I can teach virtually. So, um, because that's what teachers do. I mean, I wanted to end the year with my students, you know, regardless of what we were looking at, that's what I wanted to do. But I'll look at it now is that the quarantine was a gift of not just being able to refocus and reframe, but it was a time I was able to process everything I was feeling. God and I were able to spend some intense time together, you know, in between Google meets and things like that and IEP meetings. But I was able to look at and back and start to see how he had carried every step. I mean, had I had that had that nurse been like, OK, fine, you can have it during spring break. Oh, I don't even want to go there. You know, God knew the timing of things. And that was one thing I learned very quickly that steps are ordered. Um, whether we feel like it or not and stuff. And it's, he orders every step. And I kept telling him, I'm like, God, you can take this all away. I knew even like before surgery, I was like, you can take it all away. But my suddenly didn't come. And I think that's an important thing to hear too. Sometimes we pray and we ask for that suddenly and it doesn't come. Um, Because God knows what he's, what's been thrown at us that he can take it and shape it. And you, you know, he's like, okay, yep, that was, that mess was thrown on you, but I need to make it, I'm going to make it out of a message because that purpose that I planned for you long ago is going to be walked out and stuff. And so I was like, okay, God, that's fine. If you're not going to take it all away, then take part of it away. So um, there were certain treatments that I'm like, nope, we're not talking about them. We talked about surgery and we talked about medicine. I don't want to talk about the other stuff yet. And don't get me wrong, please hear my heart. I did not like say I wasn't going to do anything. I did follow medical advice and he ran the test and it all worked out like I had asked God for. Um, and like I spoke, I'm not one of those that's like completely, you know, no, my oncologist understood where I was coming from. He, you know, encouraged me to keep praying. And my onca test came back and it basically, it was like God had drawn a line and said, that's enough, devil, stop. So the word, that's where I th- came in, I'm not, you know, talking about the words and stuff too, and how powerful those are at that point, because I didn't agree with things. Yes, I had been given a diagnosis, but I was real quick to not claim it as my own. That was a label that had been put on me. And I think that's a big thing that we have to, even with looking at kids sometimes, you know, and diagnoses that they may have, um, you know, not letting them own it. That's yes, that might be something that's been given to you to work through, but that's not who you are and helping them to see that there's um, the, an overcomer in them as well. We'll just wrap this all back up. <laughs> um that there's an overcomer in them as well. You know, so many kids, I'll just, dyslexia is one that I know a lot of times kids are in ADHD. You know, you'll hear a kid go, well, I had that ADHD and I'm dyslexic. So that's why I have issues with that. They've learned to embrace that label. And I think that's something that we can help peel off of them. But that's something we have to realize we have to peel off of ourselves as well. Because you can't all, and we know this as teachers and educators and stuff, it's hard to teach something you've never 
like at least done history on or done work up didn't or work, walk through somehow you know and I mean like math for example you can't just walk up most of us can't just walk up and you know the upper grades and open that math book and just teach it from right then even after you've been teaching a while you still have to go back in you've got practice problems and things like that and you've walked out some things some steps in order to get to where you can teach it and I think that's where some of this is but that's had I let this latest season be a stuffer had I stuffed it in God wouldn't be like what he had done in me couldn't have been done through. And I think that sometimes we have to pay attention to and stuff. And when we stuff things in, sometimes there's a purpose and the reason why things are happening to us, where they've been thrown to us. And I've made them, I don't know if you've said it before, but I've always looked at God sometimes and been like, sometimes I wish he didn't trust me so much. You know, because I always say God will never give us more than we can carry. You've heard that before. Well, no, because he knows that him inside of us is the one that's stronger. You know, we are like, I know good and well, I couldn't have walked through that last season without him. It had nothing to do with with Melissa because physical Melissa wanted to stay balled up in a ball somewhere and like, you know, like, <laughs> like, and let the fear take over. But faith rises up when we let it. Um, and that's where, you know, I think we have to, the one that inside of us really is greater than anything that's going to come our way. But sometimes walking that out, I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years now, but it's this last season that I finally have started to see some of this walking out stuff. I've started to see how it all the pieces felt together because, you know, when everything's fine and you're on that mountaintop, it's not so hard to walk. But when it's when that valley, when you're having to like navigate through and kind of go, okay, this is why this is. And you're learning that, you know, yes, you may feel anxious, but you don't have to be anxious. We excuse some of that stuff away when I'll talk about it. You know, the verse in the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. It never said we wouldn't feel it. God gets it. And I think that's an important thing to realize in that too. He gets it. He understands our makeup. He created it. He didn't, it, nothing has come but to him by surprise. And I think that's where, you know, I look at that picture and thinking back to the Punchinello story, that's the picture we are. Like how he takes the labels off of us is how we can then turn, take the, help the kids to take the labels off. You know, we're that connector piece for some kids. That's so good. Oh, okay. So <laughs> when I think about this theme and just listening to the passion in your voice, I'm so grateful that you're willing to come on the podcast and use the mission in your message to share all that you have been able to overcome and, and knowing that there's more and there's just been such a beautiful um, message here. And I'm just so grateful for you to do that. So I want to thank you very much for sharing this story, for sharing the timing and the way that, that God's worked in your life to continue to allow you to share this message. And I, I want to thank you for trusting me to give this vulnerable message to the, in our community so that, you know, cause you and I both know there's, there's a mission in this message that somebody needed to hear from you today uh, through all of the things that you've overcome. So I just want to thank you for that, Melissa. And, and are you ready for the two standard questions that I always ask on this podcast? Yes. Awesome. So the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? But my first one was make more room for faith and fear. Your job is what you do, not who you are. Make time for what makes you smile. When you serve from an overflow, your have to is a get to. And that was something that took me a little while because so many times we look at things and we're like, I have to do this. I have to do this. But when we're in that place 
and we are making sure that we, you know, first things first and spending time with God and our serving comes from an overflow, it turns into a get to. It's like, I get to do this. Time with God is never a waste. Words have life and power. Be careful what you speak about yourself and what you agree with. Abundant life and freedom isn't just for heaven. The mess becomes a message when you release it to God and trust Him at what He promised. And you are enough because the one in you is enough. Certain that there is a <laughs> a lesson or two there for, for our listeners. How about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? Part is I think back to the Peter and the disciples story with that and stuff. And where do you find yourself in that? Peter probably was scared to get out of the boat, but he knew the one that was he could was calling him to get out of the boat. And I think that's a big thing, um, especially when you, you know, as Christians and things like that, we have that to rely on. Um, and that's one thing to kind of, you know, you decide how you're going to go through a fire, a trial, hurt process, whatever you want to call it. You know, I've done the stuffing. I'm the I'm fine part in the denial way of acting like what happened didn't really happen. But when I faced it head on with him, he took it over and gave it to him. He took, was able to take it over. Releasing the mess to him clears the path for him to take what was thrown at you and write a message. So I think the biggest thing is that is there is no room for doubt and to close out the room with the fear in there and let faith overtake it. Even if it's, um, you know, calling that trusted person that, you know, that's walked through something and being like, okay, what, what can I read? What verses can I start with? I might start in a notebook at the start of all this and would write down verses as they came, certain words that were spoken. And I take them to appointments now. I'm on a medicine that's, um, I'm going to see my oncologist every four months for five years. And so I take my notebooks with me, even to those appointments and stuff, because sometimes you need to reread what God's promised and remind yourself because fear does come in. Certain places are going to push on those buttons and play, you know, make you start to feel fearful, but you know what you've got promised and what you've had in that and stuff. Um, and then put on praise music. If you're not sure exactly how to get out of it, start put on some kind of praise music and listen to it and stuff, and stuff will start to turn on that. But you've got to basically the biggest thing when you find yourself in that pit of doubt or that fear is to get up. And that's the that's the hardest thing sometimes. And I mean, we all, you know, winter breaks hard for a lot of teachers because we have downtime. And you have to make the choice of where the balance of you know, laying on the couch is rest and laying on the couch is avoidance and just get up, do something, even if it's laundry or that kind of stuff. Um, and know that the one that's in you is greater than the doubt and fear that's being thrown at you. Wonderful. Thank you. Not only for some very practical, but inspiring messages there. Melissa, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for bringing your message to the in community. Thank you for the connection. Thank you for your inspiring fight. And thank you so much for your faith-filled message. If the listeners would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way that they could do that? Um, I have um, a blog that's on there and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And I will also um, include my Facebook contact. Awesome. Well, listeners, I will be sure to link Melissa's contact information and her blogs so that you can continue to to watch her journey unfold. And I just want to thank you again. Um, and I just wish you the best that 2021 has to bring lessons and triumph all. <laughs> thank you. And thank you just for giving the opportunity just to let me share some of what the message he used through the mess. You are welcome. It's my pleasure. 
I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.